Welcome back. Happy New Year and welcome to 2024. I hope you had a great Christmas period, Happy New Year and you're feeling good for the year ahead. Thank you as always everyone for getting in touch. Best place to do so, comments section below and if you've got a longer story, hi email, hi at Tuesday at Dobbs.com and there's an Instagram page, Tuesday underscore at underscore Dobbs. I begin this week. In fact, I'm going to do a slightly bigger bias this week. What are you all riding? I don't think I've ever had so much interesting content and feedback and insight into the kinds of bikes that you're riding. It's an eclectic mix. It is an attainable mix. It's a mix from the US to New Zealand to Australia to Slovenia and a couple in England as well. It's got everything today and I'll focus most of the podcast on that. But before I do, I had to read this out from Willie. Freddie, have a look at SWM at the recent ICMA show. The SWM Stormbreaker. I thought nothing of it until I took a look. Look at this pic. Have a look at this pic. You are not seeing double here. I'm reading out from Hot Cars. The Italian Chinese cruiser is a clone of the Harley-Davidson Sportster 1200. The SWM Stormbreaker mimics the Harley-Davidson Sportster 48 featuring an air-cooled V-twin 1200 engine. Well, that's an exact clone. SWM is a, an Italian company and they're making their bikes in China. It's one of the many Italian brands that's been bought by Chinese companies and they've, in essence, just taken the exact Harley-Davidson Sportster bike, taken all of the engineering strategy, I think even bought some bits of the warehousing machinery or something like that, and made a complete clone of it. But this is going to be a bike that will be for sale in Europe. So how has Harley-Davidson, or how has SWM, sorry, managed to do what Harley-Davidson didn't do and managed to make, in essence, the classic old Evo Sportster that will be for sale in Europe. So passes all of the emissions regulations, making it for under 10,000 euros, so around 9,000 something pounds or so. So very, very competitively priced. But how are they managing to do it when Harley-Davidson discontinued it? It's a little bit like the old Land Rover. They discontinued that beautiful old Defender and then Ineos came along, said to Land Rover, look, can we take your old classic design because we know it's going to sell well and can we use it and can we just slightly update it and sell it? Well, Land Rover said no, so Grenadier just made the closest thing they legally could make. Land Rover said they couldn't get the Defender through the new emissions regulations. That's why they stopped the Defender. Well, that was clearly not true and they didn't try hard enough. And my guess is... Harley-Davidson didn't try hard enough with the Sportster and now they're going to be losing out market share to the likes of the Super Meteor and this, the SWM, Stormbreaker. I'm going to say it looks brilliant. That's only because it looks identical to the Sportster. Interestingly, 
I think SWM aren't going to bother selling it in the US market because I don't think the Americans are ready for an exact clone of the bike. I'll move on. What you're all riding. I begin from Peter. Freddie, thinking I had my final ever mortgage payment last month, I, or that month, I looked online and found a Honda Transout 600V 1998 model, pictured here, 28,000 miles on the clock, two and a half grand. I rang the dealer up and went out and put a deposit down the very next day. The motorcycle dealership had a few things to do to get it through the MOT and make it road legal, and now I was on a mission to get my motorcycle license fast. The bike was delivered a month later and I really did not want to keep it in the garage which is easily broken into and not adjacent to my house. So I keep it, you're living most people's dreams Peter, I keep it, how did you get this past your wife? I love this. I keep it in my living room where I can sit and admire her. Two and a half, let me know, Peter, are you single? Do you have a wife? What did you do to convince her? Two and a half months later, after putting the deposit down, I got my A license, passing first time. The bike's a joy to ride, and I keep pinching myself as I walk out to it. The engine ticks over like a dream with a beautiful, warm, thumping exhaust sound. The Transalp is an old bike, so it's within my capability of maintaining. I have replaced the wheel bearings front and back, checked the valve clearances, replaced the brake caliper, pistons. Peter, you have jumped in at the deep end. You've already massively overtaken me with your mechanical ability. Brake caliper, pistons, stripped and rebuilt the carbs, balanced them. Incredible. Sanded and sprayed the front forks and a host of other bits and pieces with more to come. All within the warmth of my living room. I luckily picked the two hottest weeks of the year for my holiday and rode it to and around Devon this year. Peter. P.S. After putting down the deposit, I got home to check my mortgage and I still had a year, a year to go. Oh, Peter. I think that was probably wishful thinking. Just pretend to yourself the mortgage is almost done. Moving on. Freddie, this is Woody from North Wales. I passed my bike test 26 years ago, but due to several good reasons, I didn't get my first bike until last year, by which time my circumstances has changed. Surrounded by biker friends and family, I sought advice on what was the best fit for a future-proof do-it-all bike for a retired 58-year-old. It had to be comfortable for long trips, carry a pillion, carry luggage, and maybe do a bit of green laning, off-roading for non-Brits. I picked a brand new Kawasaki Versus 650. It is great, and although a bit vanilla to the biking purists, it's a great first bike. I toured the Normandy beaches last May with two good friends and met up with our French friends. However, at the time of choosing, my heart was yearning for the Royal Enfield Classic 350. The Versus ticked all of the boxes apart from that feeling you get when you ride. 
So in July this year, I test rode the Classic 350 just to scratch an itch. And on returning to the dealer, I bought it. Since having it, the Versus rarely comes out. A 400 mile round trip to Ace Cafe has proved that I can tour on it. It makes me feel special and I'm regularly stopped to, to get asked about it. Whereas people don't give the Versus the time of day. I'm keeping the two bikes, but this goes to prove that it's not about ticking boxes when looking for your next bike. On to Mishka. Woody, I completely agree. And it is a nice pairing, by the way. I move on to Mishka. Listening to you, Freddie, and watching you share others' pics and stories in Tenerife has me reminiscing about our own adventure. Wondering whether an adventure bike is or was for me we rented a BMW F800GS for the week. It served us well, but I realized it's not for me, but at least I've scratched the itch. I always have to read out the Tenerife stuff, Mishka, because looking at it, it gives me the most beautiful daydreaming vibes of the, the most incredible, I really mean it, the most incredible biking experiences and memories I've ever had. Tenerife is heaven. On to Malcolm or actually onto Howard first of all. Freddie, greetings from New Zealand. Oh, these, I love these pics. Okay, greetings from New Zealand. I own and ride a 1971 Kawasaki H1A Mac 3 500 triple. It's an original survivor and was imported into New Zealand in 1970. It's been in my possession since 2012 and will always remain in our family and will never be sold. The reason why? Two years after I purchased it, I had to sell it on account of needing the cash. However, unbeknownst to me, my son, this is brilliant, my son went out and bought it back and gave it back to me. Hence why I can never, ever or it can never, ever be parted with. Howard. Uh, Howard, you, you owe your son there. Monica threatened to do the same with me with my old Triumph Speed Triple when I sold that, because that was my pride and joy at the time. She didn't have the money, but she was desperate to do that for me. Lovely gesture from your son. Carrying on to that part of the world, Gold Coast Australia and David. Freddie, since you mentioned the Motoguzzi V9, I felt inspired to send a few pics of this underrated characterful bike, which can almost, or sorry, which can be almost all things to all people. These modern classic Goodsies are easy to personalize, and this is much of the fun of motorcycling. With only a few minutes and a couple of tools, it can change from an urban cruiser to a travel bike, as I have done with my bike. These pics, David, with all panniered up, heading off on road trips, I haven't seen too many V9s in this adventure vibe setting. Really suits it. I continue. And with Agostini pipes, it has the old school charm that modern bikes can't really emulate. And I also currently have a Ducati Monster and Suzuki V-Strom. Lovely, lovely garage. Moving on to, this is a bike I, I haven't mentioned for a while. This is Dave and Dorset. Freddie, 
I bought this bike in December 2016 with just 1,200 miles on the clock and has been a perfect partner since then. It's done 14,000 miles of trouble-free biking under her belt and it's still going strong. I admit that it's been a garage queen all of its life, so slight apologies for this, but it is as good as when it left the factory. I paid just £4,200 for her and judging by eBay, the other sites and the other sites, it is still worth exactly the same. Although this bike's going nowhere. The details as follows. Did anyone recognize it? Yamaha V-Star 650 Silverado, American import, known as the Dragstar in the UK. There's no fuel injection, it's got twin carbs that have never been touched and work perfectly. Dave, this is, this is a very nice thing to put my mind at ease. You use this bike in the UK. You've done 14,000 miles on it, cost you four grand, it's got twin carbs, and you've never touched them. Meaning it is perfectly, perfectly reasonable to expect to be able to use carburetted bikes without having daily issues with it, like I admit I do sometimes put across. Carb bikes, you can live with them without any issue at all. I continue. No ABS, no traction control, no rain mode, no water coolant, no cruise control. To be honest, there isn't much to go wrong. I've carried out all of the services since owning the bike and have only replaced the battery last year, plus a couple of sets of Bridgestone tires. Dave in Dorset. On to Darren, AKA the Pembrokeshire biker. Freddie, during lockdown in 2020, I spent many hours watching biking videos and adventure travel series on YouTube. This is when I decided I wanted to get an adventure bike. I knew someone in my local biking club that had a 2001 BMW GS 1150 with 56,000 miles that he was selling at a good price of 2,200 pounds. So I bought it. I never thought I would become part of the BMW brigade. However, what I love about it is the simplicity and tractor technology. I trained as a mechanic in the army where we were taught to repair vehicles in the field. So I will always carry tools and some basic spares in case of breakdowns. In June, 2023, myself and some friends set off for a trip to the Italian Alps to ride some of the mountain passes. My friends were riding new BMW 1250s and Africa twins. And I was worried that a 22-year-old GS might be a bad idea. So in the months prior, I carried out some preventative maintenance. That's new clutch, wheel bearings, and servicing. I also priced up the cost of metal panniers, which would have cost well over a thousand pounds. See, Darren, you realize also when buying used bikes, if you can get a few accessories chucked in, you often only have to spend an extra 200 pounds on a bike with panniers, for example. And if you're looking at them separately, the cost can really add up. And the fact that you have made them yourself, it's brilliant. 
What a way to save a thousand pounds. I continue. Over a 10 day period, we covered just over 3000 miles. This old GS ran faultlessly, only requiring a top up of oil, which is normal for these old BMWs. However, I mean, listen to this. However, my friend's almost new 1250 BMW had several problems during the trip. He lost power to his lights, suspension refused to work and part of the switching for the dash control fell off. It's my belief that a well-maintained older motorcycle can be as good, if not better, than a modern new bike that requires dealer level servicing and you don't have to have deep pockets to enjoy an adventure. Darren, there is no picture that defines the beauty and purity of motorcycle travel and the excitement than this picture. And on a bike that you can buy for £2,000 that can do so, so much. I move on to Gary. Freddie, my good old super tenere, was bike of the week a few days ago. Here are some pics of it in different locations. Happy New Year from a quite cold Mexico City. Gary, Route 66. Before I was editing this podcast, I, I always try and whittle it down. So it takes about half an hour. I could have read out an unlimited list of people praising the Super Tenere for its ruggedness, its reliability, its superb choice, or it, it is a superb choice in your eyes as an excellent value. Go anywhere, adventure bike. Really, it gets universally good praise. Moving on again to New Zealand. Freddie, since you liked my Ducati SS a few weeks ago, I thought I'd share with you my other custom Ducati that I've now sold. And also my 2007 Triumph Bonneville. I usually purchase bikes with good bones and then I customize them into cafe races. It's not a living for me, but it's a hobby. I made up a website. You can check the written description below or I'll put it here. I made up a website for fun, which has some of the other bikes I've either restored or customized. You've got here Ducati Monster 1000 and 2007 Triumph Bonneville drop down bars and blacked out spoked wheels. Lee, I, I have no doubt looking at these pics, if you wanted to set up your own custom shop in New Zealand, you'd have no shortage of customers. They're such a clean, slick, stripped back style you go for. And that Ducati with the trellis frame and the seat just Plain seat with the trellis frame, nothing extra. No extra styling for styling's sake. Everything's stripped back to the bare bones, but it's got an elegance to it. Serious talent. Moving on. From Slovenia. Funnily enough, my, my brother has recently been to Slovenia and it's his new favorite country. From Bosjan in Slovenia. Freddie, I would like to show you my motorcycles. It's a small collection of three which I acquired during the last nine years. Number one, all pictured 
all pictured and soaked these in. Honda CB1100EX 2015 model. I bought this motorcycle without ever seeing one in real life or a test ride. I ordered it at the dealer in December 2014 and got it at the beginning of May 2015. What attracted me most? Well, it's a Honda. It's got the classic look, which will never age, and the last, oh, and of course, this is a big thing for it, and it's the last Honda with a big air-cooled engine. This is really the final, it's the final hurrah for Honda from that, from that old school era. This is a bike that almost prolonged or was a celebration of that old school, huge displacement, air-cooled Honda engines. That's why I think these will be very possibly classics in the future. I continue. I've owned this bike now for over eight years and I love it more and more. The smoothness of the inline four, plenty of power when you need it. You can cruise like a gentleman. You can ride it fast and sporty. I also do long rides with no problem. It's still my favorite bike. Next, the Harley. Harley Davidson Heritage Classic 107. 2021 model, everyone would like a Harley, or everyone would like to have a Harley Davidson, whether they admit it or not. It's a small boy's dream come true. I think you know what I mean by that. The rumble of a big twin, the American style, it's unique. I enjoy this bike immensely. Planning a big trip to Portugal in June with it, and I can hardly wait. And finally, Honda VFR 750 Magna. 1999 model. I often joke that this bike will outlast the Honda and the CB. No electronics, no ECM, Japanese build quality, and it was produced when bikes were made for longevity and durability. The bike's a riot. It is not just a standard cruiser. The sound of those four into four exhausts is just wonderful. Boss Jan. Some of these pictures, Boss Jan, immediately remind me of the beautiful virgin scenery that you would see in the likes of the Steve McQueen great escape film as he's racing away from the Germans, especially this one here, your stunning Harley with the blue paintwork and that winding open road ahead of it, single lane winding road as far as the eye can see. I need to get out to Slovenia because, as well as my brother, I know a lot of people who rate that incredibly highly as a country to visit. Moving on to Japanese theft. This is going back to the, the conversation about Chinese, Chinese bikes, and a few people saying the Chinese, they just, they steal everyone else's idea. And I put forward the idea from other people that Everyone steals everything. The Chinese back in the 1960s, or the Japanese back in the 1960s, sorry, they were stealing all of the ideas from the British bikes and also, I believe, the German bikes as well. And even now, all day, every day, everyone's stealing everyone's ideas. And this comes from Vince, 
Freddie, regarding parallels between Chinese bikes now compared with Japanese bikes in the 60s, people who carp on about the Chinese stealing other manufacturers' ideas seem to forget that the Japanese were guilty of exactly the same behaviour when they were developing their first models. For example, the gorgeous Kawasaki W800 is a tribute to their own W1650 from the 1960s, which is itself based on a copy of the BSA's A7, or which is, sorry, basically just an exact copy of the BSA's A7. I, I had to Google this. Have a look at this. BSA A7, 1960s, and the Kawasaki W1650. Look at the shape of that Kawasaki engine compared to the BSA. You could almost do a double take. They're so similar. And of course now the Kawasaki W800, the new retro, the modern classic that's out now, just leads on from that. And it shows we are throughout the years all just copying, imitating. And it happens whether it's with mobile phones, laptops, cars, motorbikes. What do they say? Imitation is the best form of flattery. Vince, thank you. On to Urals. This is from Kev. And in response to last week, me recommending a gentleman with an autistic son who's looking for a good sidecar setup. What can you buy? What are the good options out there? I said, get a Ural. No, sorry, it's not Ural. Get an Ural. I said, get an Ural. They look brilliant. Here's a bit of feedback. This is from Kev. Freddie, not sure the Ural is good advice. Hopelessly crude, and unless you like spannering, best avoid it. Maybe a 500 Royal Enfield Bullet, BMW Airhead, or Good Sea California would be a better introduction to outfits. And this, from Blue Ridge Rider. Ural has two origin stories. Look, they claim they bought the rights to build BMWs before World War II, and they claim they reserve and they reverse engineered them from post-war BMWs. Close inspection of them will reveal there's a bit of truth to both. Since Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Ural has moved construction to Kyrgyzstan, and they've moved their headquarters to Redmond, Washington, USA. I knew they had a big customer base in the USA, but it sounds like, well, is that going as far as to say it's becoming a US company? I continue, each year they claimed that they fixed all of the problems of the previous year. Finally, in 2017, they announced new colors, no design fixes, so I bought one. I would not, however, own an older one even for free with all of the issues they had. It is some of the most fun I've ever had on a motorcycle, but, block capitals, but be prepared to go slower than you've ever gone before. That ancient 750 is pushing out, uh, or is pushing a really heavy outfit. The slightest hill will have you crawling along blocking traffic. Horrible gas mileage too. Okay. If, like some people have said, 
you should look at some other options, not just the Ural. I heard a few people saying some Watsonian sidecar options are good. So Watsonian is a company that makes sidecars. So what I thought I'd do for the listener looking for a potential sidecar setup for him and his son, I typed into Facebook Marketplace, Watsonian sidecar. That's it. And what pops up is this. 2018 Royal Enfield Bullet 500 electric fuel injection, six and a half thousand pounds listed six weeks ago. And it looks great. Really nice looking sidecar setup. And that Royal Enfield suits a sidecar setup very, very well. Six and a half K, maybe you can get it down a bit. Check that out. I've also seen BMWs, Triumphs, BSAs, Lambrettas, and Vespa sidecars. So put Watsonian sidecar into Facebook Marketplace, and then you'll get a list of lots of different models with the sidecar setup. I would suggest checking that out. Bike of the week. One I almost did last week. I was so inspired by that BMW R100. I think it was a 1982 model that a listener sent pictures of in, sent pictures in last week. And he goes everywhere on it. He tours everywhere. There are no limits to where this bike goes. It's over a hundred thousand miles and he just services it. And it's rock solid. So what I put in to Facebook Marketplace for bike of the week, I put in mileage of a hundred or of 80,000 miles plus. So I want to see any motorcycle with 80,000 miles. And completely coincidentally, what popped up into my marketplace search, without really specifically looking for vintage BMW, was a 1991 BMW R80RT originally 2,400 pounds. It's been reduced to 1,695 pounds. And the reason it's been reduced is because it has 109,000 miles. It's very rare for me to see so many of the same make and model of bike with consistently huge mileage. The amount of BMW R80s, R100s I see with 80, 100, 110,000 miles, it's completely normal for these bikes. This one's in all black, big front fairing with a huge windscreen that will go at least up to the helmet level of a rider. Comes with, looks like BMW panniers as well. BMW original panniers, really slimline, classic boxer engine. Have a listen to this. Monoshock with twin discs. I use the bike to commute to work every day, so the mileage will vary. It's got good compression in both cylinders, but can sometimes take a while to start in the cold weather, so may need a carb tune, runs and rides, and idles nicely otherwise, doesn't use any oil, has been a reliable bike for me. V5 logbook and more in my name. This is why I love these. This is an out and out classic bike. It looks brilliant, but the owner is still using it as his daily ride. He's still using it as his daily commute. And I'm only guessing here, looking at it, I'm sure he'll go from 
riding to work in the morning, ride back home afterwards and pack up the panniers, head off to the continent for some touring. That's the beauty of these old BMWs, 100,000 miles. Someone take a punt on that R80 and if you get it, let me know and send me some pics of your first ride. There must be someone here who wants that. One and a half grand and I'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much everyone for listening to this week's episode. Here's to a fantastic 2024.